So here's the big question. How do mortgage brokers like us, who are in the trenches every single day, how do we consistently grow our business every year without working 60 hours a week? How do we get our skills and expertise out to the world and still have a life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. I am Ryan Wiley, and welcome to the 12-Hour Broker Podcast. Good morning, 12-Hour Broker Podcast. West Coast Wiley here with Maisie. Chilling because it's raining. Rain's going to subside. We'll go for a walk. Um, Okay, so had an interesting scenario come up yesterday. Uh, I, as you know, the process that we have up front, I think it's a very efficient and effective, those are two different things, efficient and effective process. I'd put it up against anybody's process. I'm not saying it's better than everybody's, but I'm saying I I don't know if there's one better than ours. Um, Kind of the same thing there. But um, I'll give you an example, and I'm just talking about that pre-approval process. Okay, so very quickly, our process is um, response within an hour. Everything we funnel everyone to a, a introduction through email, right? Everything through email. Someone texts you, you get their email, you send them a, an email. Somebody um, calls you, well, you don't pick up the phone. You wait till they leave a voicemail, and then you, you go, "Hey, can I have your email address?" And I'll email you the, the first step. Um, all your referral partners, you coach them into introducing you. Not, "Hey, I gave your number to you know Tom Smith. Expect a call from him." No, nah, that doesn't work. We're not doing that go like that you got to train them up right because they'll do that because it's easy it's easier if you even give them a script or just have them use the same so all my referral partners have the same script when they introduce me and then with one hour we get back to them back to them with a video um a link to a calendar ask them to book a call and they get to see our testimonials and our email signature so big wow factor there right out of the gate first impression is big there okay so we do that then they jump on a discovery call and they show up for the discovery call. That discovery call, you're the gatekeeper. You answer, you go through your 10 questions you want. You're looking for red flags. You're trying to establish a connection with them as well. Um, understand who they've talked to, where they are in the process. Um, your spotty senses should be out tingling, trying to understand, you know, is this someone you want to work with? Do you want to let this person into your world and that you spend time with them instead of your family? Right? That's kind of the question you got to ask yourself. Um, so after that, once you know their situation, then you ask them, for, send them an email for documents required. You'll know the exact documents you need based on what they're trying to accomplish and their current employment situation, right? If you're asking the right questions, which you should. Then they come back, <clears throat> excuse me, they send you the documents. And then once all those documents check out, then you pre-approve them. And then you build them the budget and you make them a video walking them through the budget, the proposal, okay? And you send them off. That's the pre-approval process. It is not a lot of time spent on our end. Very efficient. You deflect people. It's like these bullets coming and you just deflect them. So I had someone book a call. Didn't know who this girl was. Didn't know where she came from. She booked a call and she got the name of the referral partner wrong. That's why I didn't know. Um, So I get on the call and I'm like, hey, so who's this referral? I think so. We figured out who it was. Another story. I go, who have you talked to? Who else are you dealing with? Um, well, tried to find our previous broker <clears throat> that we dealt with four years ago. They switched companies. They're trying to find, haven't heard back. It's been a week. Okay. 
So you were referred along with someone else from this top realtor. I said, oh, okay, great. So I reached out to the other person. I kind of just reached out first, got an email back pretty quickly. And I've been back and forth, but they keep asking for all these documents. And what it is, this is a very well-known broker um, who runs a business doing very good volumes, way bigger than mine. And so I know, I know, I know the business, I know their model and they run everything through Finmo, right? Finmo. I love Finmo. Absolutely love Finmo. But what I don't like about Finmo, or I don't like how people use Finmo is they just go, here's a link. Cause the app, it just takes over. Cause it does. It'll, you'll go fill out the application and then based on what you fill out and employment wise, it'll trigger certain documents to be requested through the online portal. And then you, they, this company will not come back and talk to you until you've sent in exactly all the documents. But there's like all the pieces of the story there. You don't even know what the client's trying to accomplish. And so what ended up happening here was there was, let's say she went through the online app. She never talked to a person on phone. It was only through email and it took two days back and forth for communication. And then they'd send them to the Finmo app. They got there. They got to, which like I said, Finmo is phenomenal, but I just don't like how it's being used here. And the, it triggered a bunch of documents and there were 10 documents that were asked for. Well, I know because I talked to her on the phone for 12 minutes, I know that she only needs five of those documents max. The other five she doesn't need for the situation she's looking to do. And so she kept going, I don't have those docs. Why do you need those docs? They come back. We're not going to talk until you get those docs. And that's the short version of it. And so she was very frustrated and she's like, it's nice to talk to somebody on the phone and understand your situation. And I said, okay, well, I, I'll absolutely work with you, but I need to know I'm your guy. And I'm the only one that's gotten on a phone call with you. I'm the only one I've told you very quickly here, what you need, how quickly you can turn around, if this is something we can do. And she appreciated that. And she's like, it's just very nice to talk to someone on the phone. And I was stuck at a bang my head against a brick wall over here and no one wanted to pick up the phone and talk to me. And so that was my process of uh, being the gatekeeper and knowing exactly what to ask for document-wise versus someone else, the no doc, no talk rule. Saying, I'm not going to talk to you until you have all these docs that were generated based on how you entered the application. So if you enter the application in wrong, it's going to spit out docs you don't need. If there's a certain scenario you're looking to do, some of those docs might not be needed. And that was the case. This client was looking to do something very specific, but no one asked the question. Right. Um, so there you go. That's like an example. And this happens all the time. It's an example as to why I think our process is the best process out there. I think it's tough to beat this process. It's very, very simple, simple. It doesn't waste a lot of time. And so, because where it gets, you have to get good at that discovery call. Right. But it also comes with like, where's the lead coming from? If they found you online, well, discovery calls even more important because like you need to like chip away, like who you're not the first person they've reached out to. They've sent out three, four other emails, phone calls, text messages, voicemails, right? That's why I don't like dealing with online leads. Not, not my jam, but if you're trying to run a business and a warm and fuzzy white glove concierge type business, this is the process. If you're running lead gen and pushing it into Sure, I get why you go that route.
Makes sense, because you might be wasting a lot of time on Discovery Call. Then I'd probably just hire somebody to do Discovery Call. So I think Discovery Call is uber, uber important versus just, like, throwing out online apps and just hoping they come back with stuff. But then you've got people on the back end wasting a lot of time going through the documents, right, and making sure it's what they need. And then there could not even be a deal there. I will never ask for documents. We will never ask for documents if we don't, if we're not, like, 80 90% sure there's a deal there. We're not going to be like, send it in and we'll just see. No, that discovery call, like the questions that we ask on that, we run like a test scenario behind the scenes, right? We'll FINMO open in a test account and we'll just go boom, boom. Okay, so based on that, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. What's your, any payments, blah, blah, blah. We're building like an application, right? And we'll, yeah, based on everything you've told me, as long as you're accurate, yeah, there's something we can absolutely do. So the next step is now we need to see the documents. This is what I'm going to ask from you. Is, that, is, is this going to be a problem? Right? We just don't go, hey, we'll send you a list. We go, no. Like, because they might go, oh, I never filed my 2020 taxes. Oh, okay. Well, now, okay, that's a different conversation now. So that discovery call is so important. It just makes the infrastructure, like the pressure on the rest of the infrastructure, if it's just you or if it's you and assistant or whoever behind the scenes, it makes it so much smoother and better. Okay, so that process... And I, I highly suggest, definitely if you're brand new, like it's tough to change your process as you get going and you get pretty woven in with all these moving parts. You can still do it. We're revamping our whole process right now, which is very cool. And we're weaving in a lot of video into it, um, which I'm very, very excited about. Um, very excited about just kind of tighten up some things and just make sure that client journey is phenomenal without with us taking the least amount of time. We're trying to provide the best journey, everything we do in the company, every conversation I've had with everyone in our company, it's always about the client journey. I will break even on a deal to make sure that that client journey is phenomenal because, and that very rarely happens, but that's the mindset we have. It has to be that way. We gotta play the long game. So everything we do is about that client journey. And now you got to go, okay, a client journey has to be tight and phenomenal. What I'm talking about is their interactions with you, the turnaround time with you on stuff, the, um, the impression you, how you make them feel, the impression you give them about you being an expert and first impression and whatnot, their um, trust in your ability, them always knowing where they're at in the process, right? That's a big one. Clients are like, I don't really know what the next step is. I don't. So that needs to be tight. If that's tight, you're going to win. The rest, you could even like frick up the deals later on down the road with fulfillment. But if that part's tight, you're going to build a nice database. Right? Because people are going to be so impressed. They're just going to stop looking other places because you're going to wow. So that's what we're building. We're building out a very cool process, which is even a lot better than what we have right now. And we're going through that and spending a bunch of time and energy on that. But you need to have that mentality of the journey of the client. It's not about you. It's not about the lender. Fuck the lender. Sure, there are partners and we have to protect them and blah, blah, blah. But it's not about them. It's about the client. The lender's fine, right? Lenders got money falling out of their pockets. They're fine. We need to protect the little guy. Right? That's your job. It's to protect that person. Because if not, they're, they're swimming with sharks. And so everything we do, every decision we make, it's all, and I've ingrained this like in, 
it's that client journey, client journey, client journey. What's what's best for them? What's best for them? What? And sometimes we we take a punch in the gut over it, and we suck up something, and we pay for something that 99% of people wouldn't, but we do. This was ingrained in me. Um, you know, I was a server growing up, so you know I waited tables. Being a server, you typically work for a lot of different places. Just over the earth, right? You do, it's just the way it is. But there's only one place I worked that put the client, the customer, above everybody else. Regardless of what they were spitting in their marketing and this and that, there was only one place. And I'm not saying there aren't more, I'm saying the places I worked, which are probably 10 places, there's only one, and I'll never forget it, and it's the keg. We all know the keg, steakhouse, the keg. So we had the power to make sure that that meal, that, that night out was phenomenal. Even if they were just stopping in after work, even if it was you know, whatever, those circumstances didn't matter. But it was basically the point where a couple's out, they're eating. Hey, I'm coming by to do a quality check. Then the first bite, come do the quality check. What, like, how is your steak cooked? That's the biggest thing, right? I look at steak, oh, they're like, it's fine, it's fine. I look and no, it's, it's medium well, and I know you ordered it medium. So I go, no, that's unacceptable. You pay really good money for this. I'm going to make it right. Okay, please, I'm going to make it right. So if you allow me, I'm going to take your plate, but I'm not just going to take yours. I'm not just going to take the steak and leave you the sides and like, no. And I'm not going to let your other person eat by themselves. Now that whole experience is done. So you know what? I'm going to take them both. We're going to rush this back to the chef and we're going to have them cook you up fresh plates and you'll be eating together in, you know, 15, 16 minutes. Will you allow me to do that for you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, just we're going to make this one right. Come back, boom, they're eating together. Oh, and by the way, your dinner's on us. We've got this. You know, we're so sorry about that, and now and then it took another 20 minutes, and now you might be running. Like, we got it. They gave us the latitude to do that, right? They said just, and you have to like, you had to talk to the manager and explain kind of what you wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then the manager would get involved, and they'd say, sorry, sometimes the chef would come out. Like, they had it dialed in. They were playing the long game because they knew that person, they had an awesome experience. They might come back. If they had a terrible experience, they're going to tell 10 people, and that's going to spread like wildfire, right? So I've always had that mentality, just whatever is right for the client, right? Uh, not the bottom line, the client. Because if you do that and that's what you focus on, much like I never calculate commission on a deal. Because once I start just thinking about it like that, how much you're going to make and, oh, am I going to pay for this appraisal because they push back on some things and, well, I'm only making 2700 after my split and then that's 20. If you start thinking that way, all of a sudden your whole mindset's changed to transactional. This is transactional. You have to look at this as CEO of a company. And with the CEO of the keg get into the, the nitty-gritty on the numbers they're spending on one plate of food or do they just go, no, we want those people to like love their experience with us and come back and just do that. Go make their experience awesome. That's the mentality you got to have. And so spending time on that client journey and figuring that out, it's that same mentality. Okay. And so that's what we do and we're improving it. And the proof's in the pudding. We just won out over this much larger company um, because their process, the client journey wasn't there. And you can still run successful mortgage businesses, but I guess depends on what your definition of success is, right? If you want to grow a database of raving fans, 
then you go the white glove concierge style like we're doing. If you want to just grow a database and just turn it into a, a numbers game and you're hiring cogs in to come in and treat those people like, you know, they're just a number and it's transactional and do this and that, that's a different game, different business model. You can make money doing that for sure. Just not my jam, not, not what we do. So, but there's a reason why we're so successful and our database loves us. So there you go. I wanted to share that story because I thought it was very important. Um, cause sometimes you're just like, you get caught up in your own world and you're like, like, is this working? Like, and you just always second guess yourself on stuff. That's what you do as business owners, entrepreneurs, you're always kind of like self-assessing things. Um, and this just confirmed, which I wasn't too worried about our client journey. Cause I do think it's, it's pretty good. Um, this just really confirmed and I heard it from the horse's mouth client going, wow, this is a way different experience than I had over here. <laughs> and, um, so I want to work with you and I want this experience and it's like, great, let's do it. Okay. So I hope that helps. Um, yeah, it's just cool to hear that. Okay. Five texts today, kids. I got to go. Peace out. This is an, I love mortgage brokering production.